0: Good morning everybody. I am nervous. I might not look it but I am. (laughs) In fact petrified I think is more the word. (laughs) Right. Um, When Leon asked um, me to speak during this series of I was thinking, I really didn't have to think very hard because God had laid stuff on my heart um a long time now, and um and i 'm the sort of person i can 't share anything that God has given me unless I' felt it myself if you know i 'm where i 'm coming from with that i don 't know why i think it's it's <laughs> i know when we have Bible studies and things like that you you know uh, ministers and leaders take subjects and they have to talk about it. I understand that, but for my myself um sharing of a Sunday morning like this, I really feel that God is, you know, he he had to do it in me first. He had to show me first so that I could deliver it. And it was tough, I have to say. It wasn't an easy thing. But, you know, uh, with God's help, we, we, we sort things out. And so my, I was thinking, is, there are skeletons in the cupboard. It's time to come clean. Um... And I struggled with it, I have to say, because I didn't want to say anything of the sort. But I really felt God was saying to me, you know, come on, Pat, get it down. This is what I want to say. And then it was on last Monday morning, um, uh, somebody at work had a newspaper. And one of the headings in this newspaper was hiding his skeletons. And I thought, Lord, you couldn't have been more obvious and uh, you obviously, everybody's probably heard it, it's, it's, it's probably the most talked about thing in the last few weeks about this famous footballer. And that's what the headline was, hiding his skeletons. Um, I knew the scripture from the beginning because it was what God had been speaking to me about for some time. But how was I going to get it across to you? How was I going to explain the things that God had poured out in me? Was there something else? And uh, firstly, I have to say, I have skeletons of my own that needs clearing out of the cupboard. God showed me that most Christians have spiritual cupboards, which are full of different types of skeletons. And um, I couldn't find a cupboard, but I found a shoebox. And I've written cupboard on the top, just in case, you know, you're not sure of uh, what I'm doing. And I've got a little friend here, but to be honest, it's a bit temperamental. And uh, it sort of fell apart um, yesterday when I was trying to deal with it. And you'll see in a minute who he is. Don't be frightened now. (laughs) It's not a horror show. Here he be. His lungs are falling and, you know, he's falling apart, really. It's a shame. But as you can see, this is what I'm talking about. Skeletons. Things that are hidden. Do you know, it's funny. It's only just dawned on me. Our skeleton is hidden, isn't it? By skin and flesh and things. And um, But that's what's hidden in our cupboards. And I, because I was writing that word on there, I know how to spell cupboard. I've never had a problem in spelling cupboard before. But this morning, because I was speaking, I thought, you know, I'm going to get the dictionary out. <laughs> Just make sure. <laughs> There's nothing worse than uh, showing, you know, the world that you're hopeless at spelling. But I'm not hopeless at spelling. It's just that I was just a bit nervous about actually, you know, writing it down and then everybody seeing it if it was wrong. But, um, and I, I looked up the meaning and it said, a piece of furniture or a recessed area of a room with a door concealing storage space and I thought that was so appropriate this morning it's concealing a storage space so I'm going to stand this up and I'm just going to see if my little fella will just sit and it might be a girl I don't know but I'll just see if uh, they'll sit in there and not fall over there you go there he is keeping me company I spoke on skeletons before uh, a couple of months ago actually in a ladies meeting and uh, and on that particular thing it was regarding things in our lives that you know we may have caused ourselves uh, and it might be regarding things in our lives that we haven't caused ourselves it might be things that we've cultivated and kept hidden you know things that God wants us to get rid of and not hold on to because of fear of rejection or not being able to forgive perpetrators or the pain of facing the ordeal again God can heal he can strengthen you through that process. And do you know something? The results are amazing. There's nothing more exciting than seeing somebody who's been set free. If you've been to a healing meeting and you've seen somebody who's been healed, there's nothing more exciting than seeing somebody who's been set free or healed. I do want to look at holiness and it was amazing really that I mean there was a lot of choruses there and so much of what is said in those choruses are actually what I'm going to say today so I'm going to feel like I'm repeating myself but you know I don't really care because uh, God's word is always worth repeating I think and uh, we always have so much to learn because I believe that holiness is the key to a life that has no boundaries it's a life that's full of excitement and miracles and salvation—it's the key to revival. What does it mean to live a holy life? How can we be holy? What are the results of holiness? And the scripture that I was looking at, compared, looking at this um, this talk this morning, was two two Chronicles, chapter seven, verse fourteen and fifteen. And you all know it. And it's about when uh, Solomon, you know, was dedicated. Sorry, I I keep moving the microphone down. I'm sorry. Um, And it's when uh, Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord, remember? And he prayed. And then the Lord appeared to him. And he said a lot of things. And uh, these are just some of the things that I want to pull out to you today. It said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Um, Basically, those verses are saying, you know, we've got a job to do and he'll do his What does it mean to live a holy life if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways? Before we start nodding our heads and looking at our, you know, thinking about our unsaved friends and families and, you know, this is not talking about the unsaved or those that are not Christians. It's talking about us, his people, his children. That's who this verse is talking about. And it seems so harsh because you just think, you know, turn from their wicked ways. Lord, what are you talking about? He's talking to his children. And he's talking about the things that we hide in our cupboards. Things that are concealed. Skeleton one really was, um, I looked at and I thought, our person spec, what's our person specification? Now, as you know, I work in recruitment at the moment, and we talk about job descriptions and person specs and et cetera, et cetera. Person spec is something that, you know, uh, that they expect the person that's applied for the job to have you know the qualifications, the experience, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's a criteria. But the person spec really tells you who you are or who you should be to take that job. And I was looking at that and I thought, you know, that's our problem. That's one of our first things. We don't know our person spec. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we belong to. We have no idea. We have low opinions of ourselves. We did not come from a good family, or we weren't rich, or we're poor, or we're working class, or we're middle class. Do we know who we really are? Who we've been called by? Who we serve? Before I married, I inherited the name of my parents, my family, and the family name was Murray at the time. Yes, Murray means, Murray means, too good to hurry means. I know. (laughs) I've heard it, you know, so many times. But, you know, that's a Scottish name, that is. And as you know, uh, looking at me, I'm not typically, you know, from a Scottish background. No, because I inherited that name from Scottish slave owners. That moved to the West Indies to Jamaica. Is that my person spec? A child from a line of ancestral slave owners? No way. I don't accept that and that's why I think we have to be careful of what we accept in our lives. What is our person spec? The other illustration that I wanted to use was the long lost family. I don't know if anybody saw that TV program with Davina McCall and she was like, you know, finding families uh, and, you know, for people. And it, was a, and it was an amazing, amazing series. I didn't see all of it, but, you know, what I did see, I was amazed with. And it was like, it was people who felt incomplete because they did not know where or to whom they belonged. They lived in a family, but they just didn't fit somehow. They couldn't understand it. The person spec they were living to did not match up. And how the knowledge of that new person specification changed them when they found out who their father was, who their mother was, who their sister, their brother. Some of them, they'd been taken away from their family. They didn't know anybody in their family. And, you know, can you imagine when they met them? And one of the most amazing things, I'm going off the track here, but I will go off the track because I think it's important, is that while they lived in a previous family, they didn't. They somehow they just didn't fit. They couldn't understand it. Nobody had ever told them, but they couldn't understand it. And when they met their real family, there was there was things about them. You know, some lived in Australia or America, but there were similarities in their character and the things they liked was like the same. How amazing was that? And I really believe that's that's us. You know, our person spec. When we come to God, all of a sudden we find out where we fit in. We find out where we belong, and it's so important that we know our person spec and we live to it. God's name held his whole identity, his power, his omnipresence. It defined his relationship with his people and with us today. Moses had a word from God, and God said to him, Tell the people that I am. Sent you. I am. Do you know? There's no past to I am. There's no future. It's the same all the way through. It's always the present. I am is always the present. So you know, those that are not doesn't know the Lord yet, and will know Him tomorrow. God will always be. I am. He's always in the present. It's important to remember who we serve and we sang it here the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous run to it and they are saved you know these are the name of our lord of our god that's his person spec that never changes therefore if we are in his family that's our person spec too and it will never change doesn't matter what you do it won't change however god calls us to be different the person spec is that we are God's people, and we have been called by His name. The second skeleton that I'd like to look at is pride, which is opposite to humility, and you know that verse it says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, it's so easy to think of ourselves better than others. It's something that uh, we don't find difficulty doing, whether we're at work, at church, in the family. You know, it's so easy to look at ourselves and think we are better than others. And Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, What does the Lord require of us to do justice, to love kindness and walk humbly with him? How can we become, how can we come before God with an attitude that we are better than others and expect him to hear us when we pray? Never mind, give us answers. We need to make sure we are right before him and before others. That's one of his, you know, one of the things he lays down in scripture. You know, put yourself right before me and before your brothers and your sisters. Luke 18, a well-known portion of scripture about the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, the Pharisee praying his great big long prayers with probably very long words that we don't understand. You know, saying how he's not like that person over there. And yet the tax collector prays, have mercy on me, a sinner. He knows who he is, but he knows where he can go to, to make that change. Verse 14 of uh, Luke 18 says, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Someone wrote, Perhaps the best way to understand humility is attempting to see ourselves through God's eyes rather than our own because we're a bit distorted, aren't we? When we look at ourselves, we think we're so wonderful. But, you know, when we start to look underneath the cracks, when we start to lift the, you know, open the cupboard door a little, just a little bit, we can see, you know, some of our weaknesses, some of our failings. And, And sometimes it's all right to have weakness. It's all right to have weakness. And I don't believe that's what God is talking about here. But I believe he's talking about things that are hidden that we don't, we don't bring before him. Or things that are hidden that we say, well, that's how I am. You know, I can't help it. It's the way I was brought up. It's the way I've always thought. I can't change now. I'm too old. You know, (laughs) seriously, you know, we need to look at God and we need to say, God, make me more like you. Please make me more like you. Empty my cupboards, Lord. Empty these cupboards and fill them with the things that you have for me. Pride has no place in God's work, Paul says. And um, looking at pride and looking at all the other things that I've just said. The next bit of that scripture says, and if they pray and seek my face. And a lady by the name of Vida Earnshaw writes, setting my heart to seek the Lord then is far more than a half-hearted desire to be in a right relationship with him. It involves an all-out eradication of sin and a determination to obey God. Do you know, in that sentence, there is two words that are very strong. Eradication. That is a strong word, isn't it? It means no trace left of. Completely gone. Gone determination means you've set yourself for it you're going to go for it no matter what happens what comes your way you will go forward until you reach that place or you do that thing or you achieve that task or you get to that career it's a determination so it's more than a half-hearted desire to be in a right relationship with God it's more about eradicating the sin in our lives and determining to obey God we never seem to have the time though do we So many other things demand our attention. Do you know, one of the things I was thinking of uh, yesterday, when I was just reading over this, was uh, TV is a very interesting thing, isn't it, really? Um, Have you noticed there's never like a a one program? It's always on either five nights of the week or it's on, you know, every week for 12 weeks, you know, and it sort of grabs you, it sucks you in and you feel like, oh, I can't miss the next one. EastEnders, oh, I can't miss that, you know, I can't miss Tuesday, and I can't miss Thursday and Friday, do you know what I mean? And then you've got to watch the omnibus just in case there was something you missed. And you think to yourself, you know, they're sucking us in. They really are sucking us in. The newspapers, oh, you know, buy it today and then tomorrow, that's the second part of whatever. You know, and you just think to yourself, you know, there's something not right here. And before you know it, your life, your spiritual life is gradually getting smaller and everything else is like flooding in and I tell you we lose focus we lose our focus because you know we are not praying and we are not pressing in praying is not too bad to be fair because we can pray can't we? we can pray in the car you can pray and I you know don't I'm not knocking it because I do it you know you get up in the morning and you think oh lord you know I'm late and you say a quick prayer and you're out the door I'm not knocking it because you know sometimes you do need just a quick prayer. You need to say a quick prayer. You're in a situation. You're in a dilemma. You, you know, you're facing something right there and then. You need to say a quick prayer. I'm not knocking that and I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I am saying is, it's the seeking part that's more difficult, isn't it? It's the spending time. Isaiah 55 verse 6, six says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. It is a fact that if we spend more time seeking God and pressing in, that some skeletons have no chance of returning. It is not easy, but God is there to help us and His Holy Spirit to guide us. There's an old chorus that we, I don't know whether we sing it here, I can't even remember whether we have, but it's an old one, so a lot of us will remember it. And it's When I look into your holiness, when I gaze upon your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you. When i found the joy of reaching your heart, when my will becomes enthroned in your love, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you, I worship you. And that's where we want to be, where, you know, the things around us just become shadows in his light. Because at the end of the day, these skeletons are hidden in the dark. They're, they're, they're hiding there because, you know, at the end of the day, we don't want anybody to see what we're hiding. And my third skeleton is, and turn from their wicked ways. And like I said before, he's not talking about the unsaved. He's not talking about non-Christians here. He's talking about us, his people, his children that are called by his name. That's who he's talking about. And another quote from the newspaper, that same article about that same footballer, Now it appears that he may well have been using the super injunction to keep other skeletons in his closet. And, you know, and I thought, gosh, how easy it is to point the finger and raise eyebrows at others. Because I dare say we've all raised a few eyebrows about that story. You know, probably every day this week, you know, there's something new happening. But if we remove the spiritual injunction from our lives... What skeletons would be revealed in our cupboards? So easy, isn't it, to hide behind uh, spiritual sayings, words, and, you know, oh, yes, I read my Bible, oh, yes, and, you know, and I pray three times a day. Oh, yes, and I do this. Oh, yes, and I lead a prayer group or help in a prayer group. Oh, yes, and I share with the people in my office. God sees the heart. God sees the cupboard. God sees the skeletons. God sees what's going on where you or I can't see. God sees it all. I've said it before and I will say it again. We need to clear out the cupboards if we want to see God move in our lives, our churches, our families and our friends and our workplaces. And the last part of that verse says, then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. If we will, he will. Three times. He only asked us to, I will once. He only asked us to, if you would do this. This, 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 and this. I will, I will, I will. He will three times to our one, if we will. He's not asking a lot really. He will hear. He will forgive. And he will heal. Matthew 5 verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This was part of the Sermon on the Mount. And it shared how the responsibility of the society depended upon the Christian's holiness. If God's people were holy, they were like salt, which would preserve the society. If they were like lights on the hill, their effect would be great. The question is, are we salt enough? And have we got the right bulbs to make the difference in our society it's It's easy to say, and it just strips off your tongue. you know, Are we salty enough? You know, I can just say it in seconds and the words are gone. But in reality, do we make a difference in our environment? I'm talking to myself. I'm not just talking to you guys out there. I'm talking to myself too. How much of a difference do I really make where I go? Do you know we've been reading this um, Global Day of Prayer? We read it again this morning. And uh, sometimes it's easy to read, and we've read it for weeks. But you know, those verses, those um, few sentences there, we confess that we, the people of Dudley, have sinned. We have turned away from you, we have rebelled, now and in the past, we have walked after other gods. We humble ourselves before you, O Lord, and we ask you to forgive us our sins. We pray that you would heal our land, the borough of Dudley, etc, etc. And how many times have we read we confess that we have sinned? we have turned from you, we have rebelled in the past and now, and we've walked after other gods. I wonder how many people actually remembered that that was in that prayer. (laughs) Because sometimes you read the rest of it and you you forget, but you know, God has said he will do things if we do our part. It's so important to hold up our end of the bargain. And Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 20, I just want to read this to you because I I read it in the message and to be honest with you, it, it it's so crystal clear. Once again, it's a letter to Christians. And, you know, sometimes you might think, oh, you know, I'm fed up of being told off. Oh, I'm fed up of being, you know, told where I'm going wrong. But, you know, I believe God does this because he wants to bring us in into a place where we can be effective for him. I believe he brings us into a place where we can uh, make challenges and We can be looked upon and there's nothing in in us that anybody can point the finger because, you know, they point the finger at you and basically, you know, they've got three pointing at themselves because at the end of the day, you've been called by God, you've been sent by God, you've been put in a situation by God. And when you speak wisdom into a situation, it's from God. And there is nothing that can take away from that message because your life is in line with what God wants it to be. So Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 20 and I'm reading it from the message and I've printed it out. Wake up from your sleep is the head in its called. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behaviour from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices or bullying, greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry, will get you nowhere. And certainly, nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. You groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness, expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine that cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God, huge drafts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our master, Jesus Christ. And you know, that uh, chapter goes on to talk about our relationships you know it talks about marriage and um and I I didn't want to touch on that because I thought you know that's like taking it to another level but you know the one thing I will say as well is that you know um the Bible does say that husbands love your wife as you love the church as he loves the church and um I don't know about anybody here in this church but I know in, in past churches that I've been in and and not only just churches friends that I've had and you know you see the way that relationships are and you just think God that's not glorifying to you the way he talks to her or you know the way she talks to him sometimes you know we have to be so careful um I mean my husband used to come to church he doesn't come anymore but you know at the end of the day he's my husband he's the head of the house that's where God has placed him and I honor him in that and he's a great man you know he doesn't come to church anymore but he's still a great bloke you know and I love him to bits but at the end of the day we have to keep check on ourselves because it's so easy especially if you've got unsaved partners it's so easy to think oh I don't mention God I don't do this and I don't say that because it's so easy but I tell you you know um, you stand with it you pray for them because God is doing a mighty thing in this day and age and he has promised if we will he will and just in closing really, I just want to say there are some skeletons, and you know, I had the conclusion before I had anything else in this message. This will probably make more sense than anything else I've said. (laughs) But there are some skeletons that can be dealt with right now. Because you realised a while ago that it is time to surrender all. You just needed someone to say it. So I've said it. So start thinking about what you've got to do. You partner with God and determine in your heart to make that change. Secondly, there are other skeletons that you need to go to the cupboard and talk it through with God. You need to sit with the skeleton a little bit. And you need to rattle its bones. And you used to say, God, you know, I need you to clear this out. I really need you to clear it out. Your cupboard may be left empty, though. And you cannot bear the thought of that. You know, God is going to fill it with something else. Something more profitable. Something with flesh on, I would say. You know, something that breathes. Something that can live. That's what God's going to do. And thirdly, the last type of skeleton is the sort that will take a while longer to clear out of the cupboard. Because it, it has been there so many years. And to clear it out now would be very, very painful for you. It will change who you are and how you are viewed by others. But let me tell you, if the others can't stand with you when you are clearing out your cupboard, then you know, they're not real friends at all. That's all I can say. But what I would say to you, your well-being before God, your spiritual well-being is of utmost importance to him. And uh, if you have skeletons that need clearing, you know, just go ahead and do it. Don't think about what others might think because I tell you in the long run, it doesn't matter what people think down here. It's what happens up there that counts. Because when we stand before him, you haven't got your family backing you. You haven't got the church. It's you and God. So, you know, just try your best and just go through it. It's painful, it may be. And it may change how you're looked upon by others, but it's going to put you in a better place. Some may feel that they're going to be destroyed by it. That, you know, if it's revealed, I'm going to be destroyed by this. If I admit to this, if I say this. But, you know, at the end of the day, nobody's saying you've got to bring it out there. But deal with it before God. And he'll tell you if you need to tell another. Not everything is to be revealed to another human being. I don't believe. But you know sometimes God uses things. And I know God's used people in the past that have gone through terrible situations. And that's from words from their own mouth. Terrible situations. And God has used them to love that person. Hard. As it may seem for you and I but God put something in their life to make them different. They faced the skeleton, they cleared it out of the cupboard and God used them to bless others. It's important that we clear the cupboard. God is not in the business of destroying people. He's in the business of rebuilding and making new. So whatever he takes, he's going to put something most amazing back and you have to trust him. It's, It's hard, I know. But you have to trust him. He's our God after all. The name of the Lord is the strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are saved. I believe we need to clear out the skeletons on a regular basis. As some have a habit of creeping back into the cupboard. If it's okay to be there, then why do we feel so wretched? So if you say, oh, I can deal with this. Uh, You know, I can deal with it in my own time, in my own way. I've heard it before. I've said it myself. So I know. But, you know, God says, and I'm telling you, God is saying, if you can't bring it into the open, then it shouldn't be there at all. And what I would say to you is, you know, we have to deal with it. And Psalm 51 verse 10, I'm closing now, says, creating me a pure heart, O God, creating me a pure mind, pure eyes, pure ears, a pure mouth. God help us to be the people that you want us to be. Help us to live to your person's speck. Help us to get rid of pride. Help us to pray and press into you. Help us to turn from our wicked ways. And that final, final scripture, that final verse actually said, now my o- eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place and the next place and the next place anywhere that's dedicated to him. And I tell you, when I was doing this, I thought of the third place. And I thought, yes, Lord, you know, if we are right before you, then you're going to listen to us and you're going to answer us and you're going to heal us and you're going to hear the prayers in our third place. And I really believe that God, it's a message for somebody here this morning. I don't know who. I don't know I've received it myself because I've had to, because I couldn't have stood here without saying. But I tell you now, let us... Humble ourselves before God. Seek him and pray. And turn from whatever it is we get involved in that takes preeminence over him. Clear the cupboards out. And let's see what God is going to do in our lives and in this place.